HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Bob's Red Mill, sharing nothing but the best in whole grain nutrition and committed to their mission of good food for all. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. What a beautiful day in Brooklyn! It so is. gorgeous. Yeah, man. Wait, I just noticed something. What's that? You don't have your sling on anymore. Second day, I've not had the sling on. Wow, man. How many one arm push ups can you do now? Ten times as many as I used to could do. How many is that? Zero. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's Vitor all the way. <laughs> Thanks for opening the show, Vitor. Um, <laughs> you know, crack in with comedy. How have you been, man? You were gone for a week again, West Coast. Uh, it was like a weekend. Memorial Day, man. All right. It was at a wedding. It was great. Didn't do any work stuff. You, you're, but your band played? You don't the consider band, that work? Played. Yeah. No. no it's, I mean, yeah, sometimes. Depends. If you're on tour, yes. It's like, well, you were in an RV. Well, we were. Yeah. It was fun. Played in Ojai. Ojai's a cool town. Mm-hmm. You ever been there? I have not. You should go. Uh, well, next time you go, I'll go. <laughs> Nick, yeah, you can be our. I should have went this time. Like, you can carry all the amps. I couldn't work. Then. <laughs> I should have went this time. One guitar at a time. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So congratulations on that, man. Yeah, so you're, you're gonna get. Are you doing your uh, your PT? Ther- yeah, your starts next week. Next next week today, Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So I'll probably be maybe hopefully in tears when I come to the show next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna be anyway. <laughs> Because we're, because my birthday is the day after. That's so right. We're gonna be so that's so that's see that's great. It's a perfect day to start PT. Then I can just self medicate. Yep, exactly. It's, well, it's a focused PT program yeah, for exactly. shaking and stirring that's and right. uh, bottle lifting for sure. That's right. Well, to remind everybody, my my doctor said um, said we'll we'll be starting aggressive PT. And when I said, "What's aggressive mean?" He just said, "Painful." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that lovely voice that you're hearing, uh, other than Southers and myself, <laughs> is Katie Stipe. Welcome to the show, Katie. Yeah. Thank you. It's been... It's about for, time. I mean, yeah, it's about time. <laughs> it's about damn time. That's what I told Damon. Yeah. I can't believe that you haven't been on the show before. That's insane to me. It seems unusual. But we've worked together at, like, how many different bars now? Like, I, I, we're just always around each other. Yeah, we've well, you know, we've, we've shared the same village for many, many years, and, you know, I lived in Carroll Gardens and have for close to a decade, if not more, mm-hmm. when uh, you were in Red Hook and... Uh, in Carroll Gardens, in too. In Carroll Gardens, and... Still. Yeah. First time we worked together was at Primates, mm-hmm. officially, so... And then we worked together at same at the uh, the Ludlow for a hot second. Oh, there second. was a there was a brief moment that we worked an opening at the Ludlow Hotel, Dirty French. That was my only first and only uh, hotel gig, and oh. I, I, I yeah. did it because I wanted to check it out. Yeah, so yeah. It, was like, it was a taste of the Lori side. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, I live <laughs> one block from that place. <laughs> Dude, it was pretty cool, actually. All things considered, and then uh, then you helped me out with the, the opening of Grand Army. Yeah. And since then, you've moved on to do all kinds of other cool stuff, like Pick Beach and uh, La Serena now. Um, and you know what? Okay. I don't know. I haven't been to that spot yet, but I know that a few of it's our too friends late were, now. Yeah, there's... Yeah, things move fast. <laughs> yeah. And they're moving faster exponentially for me um, yeah. for a lot of reasons, but... Uh, the I was sand at, in the hourglass is right, running out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a farewell tour right now for me as I'm I'm preparing to break up with New York City. So I spent two months at La Serena with uh, a great mutual friend, Max Cotrone, who we worked with at Prime Eats and Frankie's, who's larger than life and has amazing charismatic energy. So that's how I ended up there uh, running the program. And it's a beast, that's for sure. It's a huge space in the Maritime Building, uh, Chelsea Meatpacking District, um, entirely different clientele oh, yeah. that we experience in our lovely bubble of Brooklyn, but, uh, it was, it was an, it was, it was a challenge. That's for sure. Um, but you know, the bar team that was there and had been there and the, the bar backs, you know, worked extremely hard and very positive and, you know, set them up with a really beautiful spring menu and, you know, and, and try to reinforce so they can move forward into what's a very busy season for them and, you know, conquer. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. You know, I've been to, through many, many openings, and, 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 and I think people that know me now know that I've been going from job to job to job, whether it's consulting or seasonal, and uh, yeah, it's, it's in so many openings. I don't know if it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I like to torture myself or, or what that's about, or it's, or it's about like the, the energy and the excitement of the opening, and I really think that's what it's a, it, it's a what com- it is. It's a combination yeah. of both those things. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's Problem solving. Exactly. Like- I, I get off on it. Like I love that feeling of having to solve all those problems, have to take on those things. Mm-hmm. And then there's this weird, like little like sigh of relief slash slight depression when the thing gets opened and you're like, Oh, I got no problems to solve right now. But then the new problems start happening. Yeah. You, then you, you just keep going another place. <laughs> you get to keep going. <laughs> yeah. I think like after that many openings, you're like probably the most primed to like open up your own spot. You know, you basically, or walk away from it forever. Or, or that. <laughs> yeah. <Really? laughs> yeah. I mean, those are both options for sure. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's let's reel the clock backwards first, though. Let's talk about the beginning of your journey here in New York City, or how did how'd you get here in the first place? You're not from here. No, no. Uh, I grew up in the Southwest. I was born in Phoenix. Uh, grew up in Vegas. 
um, in, a, in a land of dry, hot air and no seasons. No mosquitoes either, which that's one of the only things I miss about Vegas. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up dancing and, and uh, the dis- discipline of, you know, jazz, modern, uh, tap, ballet and competing. And, and that's how I spent every day, all day and all night after school. And um, huge part of my life and upbringing and, you know, what ultimately brought me here to New York Um Went to school in Dallas, Texas, and like I said earlier, I was you know contemplating moving to Chicago because there's some fantastic uh, modern and jazz-based companies out there, which for me is what I excelled at when I was what dancing. Um, but worked on a cruise ship in the Eastern Caribbean, saved up a bunch of money, made some friends that lived in Astoria, Queens, and like any other performing arts, you know, stars in their eyes came to uh, New York and, and started started auditioning in 2001. So. It's been 16 years now, and wow. uh, yeah. You're like, your New York stint is old enough to drive now. Completely. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what's exciting is, you know, getting to drive again if, yeah. you know, when I leave New York is getting that <laughs> getting that Jeep I always wanted or that escape vehicle. <laughs> right. Uh, well, let's jump into the end. Let's stay at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. now we're up to you've arrived in New York. What pushed you from you know your uh, career as a dancer into this now pretty lengthy career behind bars. Yeah, the good um, kind. The good when, kind. Of when bars. I did <laughs> get to New York, you know, I was auditioning and um, did some. Uh, ended up doing more musical theater, and given that was not my passion or my background per se, but I had good enough chops that I could like sing with the chorus and and hang, and you know, dancing was certainly my strength and. Yeah, I mean, being on stage and entertaining and performance was, like, the end goal and the greatest satisfaction. And when you're an artist, performer, like, you know, that's just the greatest feeling being on stage. And and I think that carries over into what we do in hospitality also. Yeah, absolutely. Common analogy. Sure. Um, And so, yeah, I was working in bars and restaurants here while I was auditioning. One of my first bar gigs here was at the Campbell apartment in Grand Central Station. Oh, wow. Given I wasn't bartending because there were no women behind that bar, but I was a server there. And that's back (laughs) in like the cigar bar days when they still like we did, you know, formal cigar service. And uh, I was just making fantastic money. And that space uh, is beautiful. Yeah. And historic. It's a historical landmark. Absolutely. It was John Campbell's... um, you know, ground floor office space in Grand Central. Uh, so that was like, you know, kind of one of the first um, lounge nightlife uh, gigs that I had that was somewhat cocktail centric, but nothing on par with what, you know, I ended up walking into. So, you know, I had been pursuing and auditioning and touring and um, every time you come back, you know, look for a new job while you, you know, try to land your next gig and I would pull up, like, I would buy the Zagat guide. Like, (laughs) that's how long ago it was. And, like, you would kind of just, like, or go through Village Voice, and you would, like, kind of scan through, like, what types of places you wanted to maybe go drop your resume off and, like, pound the pavement. And and that's what I did. And there was, you know, uh, a new cocktail art deco lounge called Flatiron Lounge um, that was listed. And, And I was like, oh, well, there's no kitchen. There's no fussy food service. Like... I can hustle, I can carry a tray, like I can I can do this, I can be this. And I walked in and happened to meet Julie Reiner that day. And we sat down at a table and, you know, a lot of it is just history. But, you know, she wasn't even hiring, but 
she met a six foot blonde that walked in the door and uh, <laughs> she was hiring at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was my introduction into, you know, the cocktail movement. And I think and we right all at know the right time. Like that's when it was, you know, yeah, it was, happening. it was, uh, it was the opening of uh, Flatiron. I came in, you know, just a touch later as they were expanding their space. And I started as a cocktail server there and, um, you know, hustled and, and learned what was in all the drinks and, you know, told Julie that I was ready to step behind the bar and start, you know, producing the drinks and learning. And as we all know, she's one of the greatest mentors, not just sure. for Absolutely. bar family, but, you know, supporters of women in the industry. Absolutely. And, uh, this goes back, you know, well over a decade ago. Um, and so she took me under her wing and, you know, has been a mentor and a friend and, even still to this day, her and Sue Fedroff are family to me, and and it's amazing what they've accomplished. And uh, to be a part of what Flatiron was, and to be an integral part in like this entire renaissance and movement that we all live in and experience today. Yeah. Uh, so when, so when you were in there and you were cocktail serving and you you know showed some you know interest in in, in, in the drinks and stuff like that, was it your intent to move behind the bar? You were still dancing or trying to dance right uh did, did that you, was like did you want to give up the sort of like i think there's i feel I like there's was, more flexibility with yeah i think i was on the cusp there you know i was i my my head kind of turned and i was intrigued by something else and um it really was when i got behind the bar and uh i mean being a high volume cocktail bar the athleticism that is required to do a job like that and you know the education and intellect that goes into it as well and you know spent time training my palate and found this whole other kind of creative uh role that I didn't know I had but um it was all kind of slowly building and evolving for me so yeah it, sure. it was and a it was just a natural a natural movement from me behind the bar and um you know I, I was always really good at hustling like you know, when I worked on the floor as a cocktail server at Flatiron, me and Chrissy Lopez, we we made so much money that all the bartenders were just pissed off because we weren't a pool house. And, uh, nice. you know, we were we were bringing in the dough. And obviously, I know that the bartenders are producing all the drinks, but we like we crushed it. Nice. <laughs> and so eventually they're like, yeah, let's let's be one big family. And you and Chrissy Lopez get behind the bar and, and do that hustle. And like and we totally did. And um, yeah. yeah, but yeah. that. You know, that training, that that experience, you know, being in a high volume cocktail bar as your education, also in a time and a place where, you know, we were learning through trial and error. It was me and it was Julie and it was Phil, um, you know, and a few other handful of people that we were we were learning as we went, you know, and, you know, our guests were guinea pigs in kind of a way that was like digging up like in Dale's book and Gary Regan's book and like, you know, old school recipes and readapting them and training our own palates at the same time as, you know, kind of introducing cocktails and balance to our guests. So, uh, you know, as simple and basic as a sidecar sounds or like a French 75 or all of these. If it's new to you, it's new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was very much learning from the basics and it's everything that I take today when I develop cocktails is those very basic templates of classics, um, and balance. And that is the foundation and backbone of being a bartender. Uh, Uh, you, you have to know it before you can, well, speak, yeah. speaking of that, um, one of the things that we have, well, 
Robert Samuelson has an app. You know, it's called yep. uh, uh, Modern Classics Modern at Classics, the Cocktail yeah. Renaissance. So I know that you've got one or two in there. And to me, like I was just out in California last weekend, and I was at uh, a restaurant, and they had a siesta on the menu, and they had your name, like it was credited to you. Yeah, and it was just like a kind of like a little like hole in the wall like like tech like Tex-Mex place, and they had the siesta <laughs> on the menu. I love that shit. I know, right? <laughs> so I'm always tickled when I see that shit. So it's funny that you like came in in such a a very like ground level, like entry level, like kind of innocent way to like having one of your like signature cocktails on all these menus. All over the place. Sure. And That's also feel crazy, right? One of the recipes in, in my whole broad, you know, lifespan of development, like one of the first recipes I ever came up with, you know, which yeah. is you know, that was like going back to the baby steps basics and then, you know <laughs> that's what's so funny is like of everything I've done, that that's the one that really stuck. Tell us about the siesta real fast. Um the, the siesta, you know, again, was building off a classic template and pulling out an, an ingredient, putting in another ingredient and pulling out a modifier and replacing it with the next. And that's, those are the building blocks of, of cocktail and recipe development. So it was the Hemingway daiquiri and, uh, using the Hemingway daiquiri template, pulling out the rum and replacing that with a Blanco tequila and pulling out your maraschino modifier and replacing that with Campari. And, you know, Agave spirits and agave cocktails, you know, really didn't have much of a repertoire. Um, back then? That far, yeah. Yeah. Back then, you know, you had you had a lot of whiskey, you had a lot of brandy, you had a lot of rum, you had a lot of gin. But, you know, the agave category had not been really Explored, pioneered yeah. yet. So uh, that was kind of one of the first aha moments. And, of course, like... That drink makes so much sense and can be so universal because it can be replicated anywhere, you know? Yeah, any bar. Any bar has Blanco. We all can find grapefruit, lime, sugar, and Campari, Campari. is obviously widely available. So, yeah, it's. I know that in California, and I've heard that, like, that drink is very popular and it's always surprising. And, you know, I got a photo of, like, it being served in, in Australia. And <laughs> so it's it's really rewarding and sure. always surprising. And it just kind of makes me giggle, too, because it's like, oh, it's like, you know, one of the first drinks I ever made up. But it's funny that, like, after all the work and time and effort, like, it's it, was, endured. it was the most simplistic drink that, you know, has become, like, a modern classic. And... And that's that's pretty damn cool. <laughs> it's really damn cool. It's so. fucking amazing. <laughs> All right. We are at the midpoint-ish. So we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor, which I believe is, what did they say? Bob's Red Mill today, right? I think so, yeah. Could be. Yep. Maybe it's, not. It is. It is. Maybe I'm just plugging <laughs> them for nothing. All right. So we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back with Case Dive, and then we're going to talk about Sherry. Yeah. yeah we got to crack this bottle. Yeah. For understanding when you are away Can't use my heart to think away the time In my room I will await you And so soon I will relate you And tie your finger right on up to mine Bob's Red Mill is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network and a big supporter of organic farmers. Ray and Tom Williams are two farmers who have worked with Bob for years and co-own an organic farm in eastern Oregon and Washington. Ray shares what their relationship with Bob's Red Mill means to them. 
We thought that for over the long term, we thought it would make sense, better sense for the soil. Also, we thought that uh, it was something that would improve the quality of the food so uh, supply. We're lucky in that we're working with Bob's Red Mill. We're part of a uh, regional food network. Uh, with Bob is a fundamental uh, relationship and cornerstone to that. We also work with other best-of-class people in the Northwest, and we're thankful for the long-term relationship that's brought uh, good things to the soil and good things to our long-term farm economic plans. We appreciate his attitude toward absolutely high standards for the benefit of his customers. We take pride in meeting those standards. Learn more about Bob's Red Mill and their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, we have our dear friend, Katie Stein. Um, we've just been talking about her, her path into uh, the cocktail world. From one dance to another. One dance to another, one stage to another, one stage to another. Yeah, yeah that was always the funny thing. Like, um, for anyone who had who's had the privilege of working with with you, Katie, like I'm sure they all would agree. Like, whenever I, I always loved working with you, especially at Primates, like because there wasn't a lot of room back there, but we we always had a really good dance. And then, like the same thing happened at because you have to dance with, of course, with I, your bar I, backs. I literally call the back bar at Amori Margo the dance floor. Sure, yeah. it's it's an awareness of space and sharing yeah. space, and yeah, when you find like a good flow. And I really think you know, going back to my dance roots, like every bar and every menu has choreography. It's like you know how you you learn recipes and the way that you build them. You mm -hmm. pick up things and you do it in the same order, and you find this like and, yeah. this rhythm that you have. And yes. it really is. There's like there's this turn and reach, and there's this pickup, and there's this dash, and so it's like it ends up being this kind of like really cool dance. If you know the most dangerous dance, <laughs> <laughs> yes, more so than Cayapuera. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I remember the same thing, too. We worked behind that bar a couple of times, and, and to work behind the bar with you versus Damon versus um, <laughs> uh, Karen Fu, who used to basically whip me with her ponytail. Yep, all the time. <laughs> that was she purely spin. intentional, I'm sure. She would spin, and that ponytail would just be like... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it is, uh, so it is one, one dance to another, one stage to another, and so then you got into... Well, you brought us some sherry because you're a huge sherry fan. You want to talk about that at all? You want to pour us some while we talk about it? I would about love it? to. Um, to I did bring a, a cold bottle of Manzanilla sherry because um, it just seemed appropriate on a beautiful day like this. Cool. Um, I can do it if you want to talk. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, my introduction to sherry, again, goes back to like Flatiron days when uh, Steve Olson was holding a sherry cocktail competition. Um, Jacques from San Francisco won that that first competition with a drink called the uh, La Perla, which was Reposado Tequila, Manzanilla Sherry, and a little bit of um, Pear Eau de Vie, and just stirred up with the twist, and it was just a beautiful, sexy, simplistic cocktail. And that was the first time that I had been introduced to sherry and the flavor profiles and components of it, and it was really through the vehicle of a cocktail, again, that it was introduced to me. So... Um, you know, Steve Olson has been fundamental in, in educating and mentoring me and Sherry and, and everyone and everyone. Like, yeah. That's, um, that's his, that's his, the drum that he beats on. Yeah. 
So for years, I've just been a voluntary ambassador and, and cheerleader for Sherry in the Sherry category. Um, you know, we all find certain spirits or a niche or a style or technique that we, you know, after being educated, that we want to challenge ourselves more so and continue to educate um, not only ourselves, but others. And, and Sherry really has been that for me. Um, when I picked up Sherry and I started tasting it, I felt like it had all the complexity of a cocktail in one bottle. And there's so much history and so many layers to it uh, that I was really fascinated by it. And anybody that knows me or spends time with me outside of work or at work, you know, I don't, I don't drink cocktails per se. I might like enjoy a classic or three ingredient classic, but I'm generally consuming like delicious wine or beer. Uh, so, um, perhaps that was a part of my transition into Sherry. Uh, but it, it really is and has become a special part of my experience in the industry, you know, getting to travel to Spain and see it and taste it and meet the producers and just feel like this vibrance that is that region uh, where Sherry is produced is unparalleled. And, you know, for anybody who gets that opportunity, I, you know. How many times have you been over? I... I've been to Sherry Country at least three, maybe four times, Spain four or five times. Um, yeah. And every time it's it's just as good as the next. Yeah. Awesome. I, I have only visited Spain once and it's kind of changed my DNA. I drank a lot of Sherry and I drank a lot of gin tonics. It's up on my list, man. It's I told I told you I, I was there for six days and the last two days I spent several hours each day looking at apartments. <laughs> I was like, fuck it, I'm moving. <laughs> nice. This is where it's at. Yeah, I mean, for people, us in, in our in our industry um, of enjoying life and food and socialization and drinking, like, that really embraces their whole Pam. culture and social culture and, you know, the tapas culture. Uh, so going to Sherry, it's just like going to tapas bars and, you know, having a little Kanye shorty of beer and, you know, it's a hundred degrees outside. And so of course you want to like drink, you know, freezing cold Fino or Manzanilla, uh, cause it's so like just delicious and makes sense and pairs right. so well with the food. And so, yeah, I've, I've kind of created this journey of, you know, Educating friends, educating guests on what sherry is because it is very much a misunderstood uh, wine and category, just like mezcal was years ago. And I've been in fortunate to work in and be part of different concepts that are like regional or spirit focused. And that's something I, I found that I really enjoyed uh, being a part of, you know, whether it was Mayoel or Von Dog, Mayoel being, you know, one of the first tequila mezcal cocktail bars and, you know, agave uh, centric menu. And it took a lot of time and effort and education to make that work. Mm -hmm. um, and then going to Van Dog and doing this, like, really yeah, was, esoteric, that but, place was great. you know, it building was a, a cocktail program, which was all very short-lived, but very, very powerful and uh, an amazing experience of, like, you know, Aquavit and Yenever Gin and building a cocktail menu based upon that and convincing people that, yes, like, of course it's delicious. We that, should all be drinking like Bulls Yenever Gin cocktails. And, you know, uh, but that I mean, that, that place still resonates. Oh, that yeah, place was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it was ex it was being a pioneer in an, in an unknown um, spirit category. Yeah, and, it, was, it was genius. And then it was a bit misunderstood, which is common with genius, right? Sure. Yeah. 
and and you know for years that's what sherry has been and um we also i mean you were in the early days of bourgeois pig right yeah i did work at bourgeois pig which, which, i was which was an entire menu sure. that was just beer wine when cocktails. i left Flatiron lounge you know to go back to Flatiron lounge days i sat julie down and i said julie it's time you know that i step away and do my own thing and run a program and i'm going to go to the east village and um, you know, run this this program at a place called the Bourgeois Pig, and the Bourgeois Pig was working off a beer and wine license, uh, didn't have a full liquor license, so that was certainly a challenge in in building like a diverse uh, cocktail program, just based upon you know beer and wine, and uh, that was something that really had never been done or wasn't being done. You know, it's kind of using all the tools and all of your knowledge to you know to impress New Yorkers who, you right. know, have very savvy, adventurous palates. And, and there was a really amazing response to that. And, uh, so of course, you know, fortified wines and, uh, sherries, uh, were incorporated into that program. And that was again, another exercise in the development of sherry cocktails. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my, my experience at Bourgeois Pig. Uh, but, you know, I outgrew that pretty quickly because I needed a lot more tools and instruments to work with and sure. some, some higher proof spirits as well. Yeah. Uh, but that, again, that place resonated for a long time. It only yeah. left because Ravi, my partner, it turned everything vegan and the Bourgeois Pig was a, was a, right. a, a what do you call it? Fondue. It was a fondue, it was a fondue bar. bar. It's hard to make <laughs> vegan fondue. So, yeah. so he's, he just recently scrapped the concept mm-hmm. and made it into a vegan tapas bar. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that again, you've done a lot of things that, that have resonated for a long time and, and like, again, kind of pioneering. Like, yeah. Um, and that's for me, what I've found the most fascinating or intrigued by is wherever I was working, if we were working as a team, even at Clover Club, you know, building a, a new seasonal menu together, it was kind of like, all right, so you guys are all working with Tangeray this season. You're all working with this liqueur. You know, there's always like some kind of trend and everybody's yeah. kind of vibing off of that. And so I was like, show me everything you've got so far and like, let me fill in those slots so we can look at a menu on the spectrum that is like diverse and like hitting all those marks, all those like, you know, something for everyone and all the spirits and flavor profiles, whether it be savory or spicy or sweet or rich or bitter. Um, so I really like to kind of look at the bigger picture and kind of round everything out. Right. And, um, you know, I, 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 it could be a scotch cocktail. It could be agave. I just felt comfortable enough that like I could see what was missing and want to fill in that blank yeah. and, I always yeah. find it interesting when it's a uh, menu development time when, you know, seasonally, it's like, it's kind of, it's, it's really interesting getting into the whole staff's heads and like, under, you know, like you kind of take a peek into their, their psyche, their psyche, you get, you get deep in, especially what you do with the thematic menus. I feel like you're probably, that, yeah, that pulls out some more, some weirdness and weirdness. Yeah, man. But like there's, there's something to be said about, uh, looking at a cocktail from like like looking at a cocktail menu from a specific bar and seeing it change throughout the years throughout the seasons and you're like oh this is totally like like i feel like death and company it's like this is definitely this is like a total death and company cocktail it's like got sure. every stirred stirrable thing in it you know right <laughs> like this is obviously an amore margo cocktail this is 
like a flat orange cocktail, like the Beijing peach. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but Katie, you've always had a way, like I, like I can see one of your cocktails and taste one of your cocktails. And I'm like, Oh, this is totally a Katie's type cocktail. And I, I, I want that to sound like a compliment because <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, but I mean like when we oh, were, cause it has sherry in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, even before then, I mean like, uh, the Red Rock Canyon. Yeah. And then I remember you were, te- we were texting back and forth about it. And you're like, just got to figure out the garnish. And then you text me like, Two seconds later, and you're like, pink peppercorn. Boom. <laughs> and you just Done. dropped the mic. Boom. I was like, you know what? That, I, I could have I seen that coming, actually. Like, yeah. Snow and Katie style. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a big part of, like, what makes Grand Army so fun. And, and, you know, we have access to so many bars in New York. And it really is so saturated. And everybody produces a seasonal menu. And, uh... But I think that the thematic menu is such a unique journey and what makes Grand Army really, like, unique and special as well. Thanks. Um, so, you know. Well, you're part of that. Yeah, part of, of it. Um, you're, you're, you always will be. <laughs> but the Red Rock Canyon, yeah, that was a drink on, um, what was the uh, the State Parks menu? The uh, State Parks of Oklahoma. US. Oh, State Parks of Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got to get specific and weird, man. I gotta, got it. If you're going to get weird, get weird. Right. Yeah. Stay yeah. that way. So, you know, <laughs> it made sense that it would need to be a specific color of red. And, uh, yeah, I knew it needed an agave cocktail on the list. And it was like putting together, like, you know, drinks that I love. Like, one of the greatest drinks I've ever had is the Angostura Collins um, at Cannon in Seattle. Mm. Um, it's it's the Collins, but using Angostura bitters as the base spirit and lemon sugar soda. And then, you know, like hitting that with the Trinidad sour and putting those two together and they merge into this like really unique. Yeah. With the Orgeat and mm-hmm. the, uh, Orgeat lemon, Angostura and, uh, Reposado tequila. Yeah. And the East meets West. On crushed ice in Collins house. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, you know, I can't say no to that. Soon, yeah. <laughs> soon we're going to go back to Grand Army and, and, uh, I'll be slinging some drinks, so we'll make yeah, some Red Rock Canyons. Totally. And at La Serena, actually, just recently, I made a cobbler because being a Spanish uh, concept, they're um, integrating, obviously, sherries because that makes sense. Um, but taking that Red Rock Canyon format and template and replacing that with a Montiato sherry with, like, a heavy hit, like a half ounce of Angostura, lemon, and orgeat on crushed ice. And for me, like, the sherry cobbler is one of the most lovely uh lovely cocktails um you can produce and i'm always really proud when dave wondrick sits at my bar and orders a sherry cobbler because i always make it one way specifically and that's like muddling a couple orange slices in cinnamon syrup three ounces of montiato sherry uncrushed and done and it's a drink that just like continues to develop and and open and as it dilutes and it's it's pure magic and if you get it at great army it comes in a boot get it cobbler Payment <laughs> and the puns. That's our house spec now because of you. Yeah. Yeah. As it should be. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> Train the boys well. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. So um, we need to talk about what's next for Katie's day. Because mm. you, you alluded earlier in the show that you're breaking up with New York. Yeah. What the hell you know, does that it's, mean? Um, it's, it's been an interesting... Uh, couple months and few weeks coming to terms with that it's that it's time to 
say goodbye to New York and, um, you know, it makes everything far more sentimental and nostalgic, you know, even being here or seeing friends. Um, cause it's like, is this the last time I get to do this? And walking through Grand Central yesterday, is this the last time I'll get to do this? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's time for me to, to see what else is out there and, um, and to change my environment and, and see if I still want to remain in hospitality. And I will certainly take that with me. And, you know, I, I do believe that what I do and the ability I have is completely universal and I can take that to many places. And if anything, being a, a big fish in a little pond could be very advantageous, sure. advantageous. And, you know, um, and, and kind of going back to basics is very gratifying, uh, yeah. to explore. So, yeah, uh, we'll see if hospitality is, is what I continue to explore, but it's more so like, you know, kind of letting, letting go and, and seeing what else is out there and, and having the ability to travel again and afford to travel again. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that's you know? how you're kicking this off, right? You're going to, yeah, do a little cross country automobile tour, right? There's going to be some, yeah, across the United States travel and and checking out new cities. If that's maybe a place that I might eventually land, um, I, I don't know for sure. It's kind of stepping out into the unknown, and it's really damn scary. But at the same time, I know it's needed because when things start to feel static um, and that you're like losing your imagination or, you know, being a former artist, like I know that there's, there's other chapters for me to explore career wise or artistically. Um, yeah, it's, it's taking, you know, a big leap and, and seeing what happens. And, uh, I'm sure what I do now and it'll, it'll, it'll travel along with me and you know there will be a trip to spain absolutely there's a trip of doing like north green spain that i've been putting off for years because you know whatever gig i was doing at the time whether consulting or at pig beach or something seasonal i just hadn't be able to make it happen so yeah it's uh it's all happening (laughs) (laughs) it's all happening very quickly so uh, yeah you know and you tell new yorkers like yeah man i'm getting out of here i'm just i'm doing it it's time. And, and, you know, you get different responses, you know, uh, a lot of people saying like, yeah, I really want to get out of here. Like, I don't, you know, it's, you know, I've thought about that or, you know, there's things keeping me here that don't allow me to do that. You know, whether it's family or career or FOMO, lots of FOMO. Yeah. 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 But you know what? (laughs) Like you leave, you leave New York, you fear missing out on a lot of stuff. Yeah. But I, but I, I mean, you just left for a week. I left for a week two weeks ago. Like, it's kind of nice to just disappear nice. for a week. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, let's double down on that. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, you know? you, we, live, we live very intense lives here, and so yeah. it's, it's important to step away. But, and like, Yeah, after a certain point, though, I mean, like, I, I look at your decision and what you're doing now, and I'm just like, man, all right, fucking bravo. Right. That was <laughs> great. Like, came here and you crushed it for this whole time and like you made a huge name for yourself you know and like there's no one that i know who doesn't know like that i talked about case type too that they right they're always yeah and, i feel you know, very grateful it. for the opportunities i've had and yeah. the people i've gotten to work with and meet throughout the process and really what you miss most is yes new york is new york 
It yeah. is, it like is it. the greatest city. Uh, but it's always going to be here, you know. It's you, always going to be here. You and know. I spoke before the show, sure. and I said I feel like I feel like, frankly, if I were to leave New York and just visit New York once a year for vacation, I would enjoy New York more than I do living here every day. For, yeah, I'd get to do New York. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you come to New York, so, and you wouldn't you know, have to write your landlord a check, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> a huge check. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and that's not, you know, that's not just why I'm leaving. It's just wanting to experience other cities sure. and live in other places and know that I'm in a place in my life that like, I know there's, there's so much more out there and I know there's other environments for me to like really flourish in. And I'm excited to see what that is going to look like. And, um, you know, there's, there's the city girl of me, but I think very much so I'm, I'm a landscape nature, fresh air kind of soul. And that's where I belong. And I kind of need to get out there and experience that. And, totally. Um, well, I can't wait to come visit you wherever you land. Go yeah. I invite all my pals to join along in a road trip. Once I, once I find that, cool. I don't know if it's the van life that I'll pursue, but like <laughs> once I get that, well, you got to document it, document it for us on your Absolutely. Instagram, et cetera. So we can Absolutely. so we can see what's going on and where you're at. Absolutely. Speaking of you leaving though. Speaking of visiting Katie. Exactly. <laughs> Let's visit today at five o'clock at Grand Army. You wanna make some, some drinks, old and new or just old? Yeah, it was piecing together like, you know, kind of a, a body of work menu in a very, very, very abbreviated way because it's me two hours, you know, getting in Kevin's way at Grand Army and like, <laughs> you know, Jumping in that well, and I know it'll be complete chaos, but a total blast because I used to work there. So, um, but yeah, just kind of putting in some cocktails that, you know, siesta being one of them, putting in some sherry, you know, a little bit of like an influential My Little Pony moment because yeah. talking about Grand Army theme menus, you know, that was always one I was rooting for. Uh, <laughs> My Little Pony theme. I know you guys went with Gilmore Girls. That's totally fine. But I feel like My Little Pony and the pony drink names and sparkles and all of that yeah. uh, just make sense. So, um, yeah. Witches. Yeah, it'll, you know, just serving some drinks that, you know, come from, you know, different backgrounds of where I was working and some sherry, some aquavit, uh, some agave. And, you know, it's really just about seeing friends in the faces and, you know, having a good time. And that's kind of what our business is all about. So So that's today. Are you doing any other sort of, you know, swan songy shifts before you take off in a month? Ooh, if I can, if maybe I can manage come, that all. Maybe you should come do a, a guest shift at Coup for charity. Yeah, yeah I would love to. And that's certainly on my roster. Uh, like I said, I have I'll just kind of the, the New York bucket list of things to, to do. And this today is one of them. And Coup, I would love to be a part of. Um, I love getting behind a bar that I've never worked at before and, you know, being challenged by its elements and the elements that are working against you and just like let her rip and, and make drinks. So, um, I would definitely like to be a part of that. You know, the days are going by quite quick, quite quickly, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to uh, shake some drinks for you since, you know, since I can't, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, well, let's get you, let's take a look at the calendar today, maybe, after the show, and we'll we'll see if we can squeeze you in. I hope we can. Um, you can come do some 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 saying goodbye to people as well as doing some good charity work. We're having a great Absolutely. time over there. Okay. Um, speaking of that, I'm going to plug that for a second. Next week starts Negroni Week. We're kicking it off at uh, at Coup. 
uh, with a big Negroni party sponsored by Campari on Monday. Paul Clark is going to be our guest on Wednesday. Oh. Paul Clark from Imbibe Magazine is going to get cool. behind the bar. Fellow Oki. And, and cool. make some drinks. Yes, he's an Oki. That's right. Yeah, I'll be in L.A. on Monday for the Negroni launch. Negroni Week launch at Girl at the White Horse with my my best of gal pal friends, um, a fellow Gemini sister, Cabell Tomlinson. So nice. uh, the Twin Towers, as we were deemed <laughs> by Julie Reiner at Flatiron Lounge, um, me and my other six foot gal pal will be slinging drinks in L.A. for Negroni Week and, and for charity for Share, which is um, a community of raising money for uh, women with breast cancer and ovarian cancer. So. Great. And and that's pairing awesome. up with Speed Rack too, uh, as well. So, yeah, yeah, heck that's, yeah, man, that's awesome. I've I've only been a girl at the White Horse once, and it was with you <laughs> and Cavill and Gino Pillerman, and it was before uh, service hours, and we just hung out. And it's a beautiful place. We ate tacos and drank beer. <laughs> yep, it was great. What a life! Tacos and beer. Whole place ourselves. Nice. <laughs> um, well. So nice to have you on the show today. Thanks for bringing this sherry for us to taste and all your stories. Um, I got a couple of things to talk about real fast. We get some fan mail. Yeah. You and I. I see that. <laughs> we got what, a, let- it say? a very nice thank you letter from Nick Korn, who was our guest a few weeks ago from, from Boston. Cool. Um, thanking us for Thanks. being on the show, which is really nice. Thanks, but Nick. This yeah. one, yeah. But this one's, having him in. this one's even cooler. This young lady named Sarah Beckton. Um sent us a little package of the stuff she made. She's crafty. She makes these cocktail recipe cards. Um, I've got a stack of them for you, Damon. You can check them out. Um, you can maybe use them to build a cocktail recipe thing. But the funny thing about her, her letter, she says uh, she's a bartender on the West Coast, and she makes, um, she makes crafty things. And she says, uh, uh, we're such a fan of your show. My husband even refers to you guys by first name. But she doesn't mention his name. <laughs> so, so Sarah and your husband, thanks for listening and, and being part of the show. Um, and then just a few notes about what's upcoming next week. Jeffries. What's his first name again? <laughs> Henry Jeffries. Henry Jeffries. Henry Jeffries from uh, the book Empire of Booze. We're going to have that show on, uh, which is going to be great. He's got a lot of history of booze and how it affected uh, the UK the UK, and how it kind of affected the map of the world, frankly. Sure. Um, following week, uh, Darren Grenier from Your Sincerely, where they've got this just incredible cocktail program, and it's all on tap. This guy is just breaking the bubble on tap cocktails. Uh, the following week, Tanya Govey. And I think I'm going to try and sneak and see if she can bring Jackson with her. Maybe he'll bring us some snacks. Her, cool. her, uh, her man Jackson is the is the sous chef over at Employees Only. Snacks and, and Jackson. Snacks and Jackson. <laughs> and then the following week, we got uh, Kyle and Rachel Ford that are going to come on and talk about their kind of new career as they've uh, kind of left brand ambassadorships behind and, and become their own company, Ford Mixology, Ford Marketing Lab. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Cool, man. A lot of cool stuff coming up. I can't wait to write a cocktail recipe on this card. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's actually got, it's, it's double-sided got, so we can make two. Yeah, it's got the thing where you we can... We should do that at the happy hour. got the thing where you can circle the glassware, and like they're pretty cool. Thanks, Sarah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's thanks, like Sarah. mom's old recipe Rolodex, you know, on yeah. the index cards. <laughs> uh, totally. Yeah, I'm wondering if she makes like a cool box to put them in. Mm-hmm. She sends a big stack of them. Maybe her husband without a name... <laughs> makes boxes. <laughs> well, she says in her letter that she does the crafty stuff. So. Okay. Well, maybe, I don't know. They're a team. They're a I'm team. Sure they found some, each other somehow. That's you know? right. <laughs> she married her best friend. Yeah, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> um, such a delight to have you on. You're so graceful and charming, and we're going we're gonna to really miss you in New York City, and, but we're going to look forward to everything you do when you leave here. So thanks for being on the show yeah. today. Oh, I'm really happy to be um, here and drink sherry with you guys. And yeah. 
if uh, if you like this show, tune into Heritage Radio Network to listen to thousands more just like it. And thousands. Again, thanks so much for joining us, Katie. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers guys. Drink more sherry. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.